silly. It's usually because I've gotten off my purpose that God has for me. I've gotten, I, I've crowded too many things in my life and I've gotten away from his plan for my life. Whenever that happens, I think you're going to agree with me too. It makes your soul chilly, cold, this thin layer of ice, you know, kind of distance between you and God, this barrier between you and God. And everyone here has a mission. Everyone here has a plan, or God has a plan for everyone here. Listen to this, this verse, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Don't you love that? When I forget his plans, when I lose sight of God's purpose for my life, when I get distracted from the mission, when I get distracted from his plan, then all of a sudden, everything just starts getting skewed in my life when I forget his plan. Last week, I, or last week, last night, I went to see the movie, The Big Miracle. You know, the one about the whales, just kind of like Free Willy Part 4 or something like that, you know. It's, and and it was, it's based, loosely based on a, on a true story where this well, the ice cap moved in, the whales, you know, I'm not giving the movie away, it's a true story. And, uh, and so this reporter's up in the far north in the Arctic Circle, and he doesn't want to be there, and he, just this incredible story drops in his lap. About three whales, the ice cap moved in quicker, and, and just, anyway, it's stuff I don't even know about. But it's a good little family flick, and, uh, and I'm watching the movie, and I'm looking at the movie, go ahead and head it, and I'm thinking... That's Gerard Nimring in the movie, you know? Doesn't that look like Gerard, our own little Ted Danson right there, you know? And what happens in the end of the movie is that this strange coalition of a, of a liberal um, environmentalist and a conservative Republican president and the American military and the Russian military and the Inuit, I think that's how you say their name, As Alaskan Eskimos and, and just other journalists all kind of converge for one goal and that was to free the whales. And everything kind of revolved around that mission, free the whales. We live in a society and in an economic situation where if companies are to succeed, they're going to have to have a crystal razor's edge understanding of their mission, what they exist for, so they can say no to the right things, so they can say yes to the appropriate things, and stay on task, and stay on, on mission. Let me just see if you, by the way, if you know all three of these, uh, you'll get a free scraper, all right, you know, that, that we gave out a couple of weeks ago. Tell me if you know whose motto this is. We're a global family with a proud heritage, passionately committed to providing personal mobility for people around the world. Anybody know who that is? It's Ford Motor Company, exactly right. Some of you will get the scraper, but you got to get all three. The next one is this one. Look at this one. It says, we work to help people and businesses throughout the world realize their full potential. This is our mission. Everything we do reflects this mission and the values that make it possible. Anybody know who that is? Cisco? No? Microsoft. Ooh, who said Microsoft? Nobody got that in the first service. Do you guys work for Microsoft? That's cool. And then the last one, everybody will get this one. I'm, I'm telling you, this is like the easiest one. Somebody else's time's up. And uh, it, it's to bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world. 
Nike, absolutely. And so they stay true to their purpose statement. You know, Alan Pointer, who was our Snowblast speaker, he used this clip, and I want to use this clip, but I want to use it to, oh, by the way, that's my beeper. How does my beeper re-beep? Here, you hold my phone. If it does something, just... It's obvious I don't know how to work it, you know? Man. You should have seen me at Hillsdale. Um, I, I was preaching at the college, and they, they actually gave me the clicker. I had to run my own PowerPoint, which means I had to speak, move, and click at the same time. And man, I'm telling you, you talk about an athletic challenge, you know, right there it was. But I want to show you part of a clip in honor of Super Bowl Sunday. And for the teens, you guys saw this the other day. And, and, and we're only, and I'm not going to show the whole thing, but just a part of it. But it, it is. It, you go ahead and laugh. It's funny. And then, you know, the other thing that, that you kind of need to know is it really talks about mission and purpose. And I, I really think you're going to like it. So go ahead and, and run the clip here. And, uh, the and storms are going to happen. You've got to complete the mission. Now, I want to show you how precarious completing the mission can be. Our training center is located in Orlando, Florida. And by the way, if you'll just let me do this, I want to just say a big hello to uh, my brothers and sisters at Discovery Church in Orlando, Florida, uh, because I do know them so well. I lived there for quite some time. So our center's in Orlando. Some time ago, we had four athletes from the National Football League come to our center. Now, I understand for our international audience, this is not football as you know it. Soccer, as we know it, is their football. But everybody's seen American football played. These were monster men. The average size was six foot four, just under two meters, 300 pounds, 136 kilograms. One of them, a monster of a man, 350 pounds, 159 kilograms. He was in our fitness center in Orlando. I called him over to me. Now he's about this tall. I looked up and I said, tell me what goes on in your mind when you look up from the offensive line and you see someone from the opposing team running right back to you. He looked down at me and he said, I'm going to fold him in half. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we told these four monster men in the NFL that we had a mission for them. There's a wilderness trail that goes behind our property. It goes toward the airport in Orlando. And your mission is to run out this trail. You're to run a nine-minute mile. At the one-mile marker, there's a white fence that comes out to the trail. Your mission is to touch the white fence and then run back in nine minutes, 18 minutes total. They said that's all we have to do is touch the white fence. That's it. Just touch the white fence. That's it. They said, okay. So they sat down. They started putting their running shoes on. Now we have rules of engagement. Gentlemen, you're going to be running through the swamp. There's a canal that runs by this trail. Alligator migrate in and out of this canal. Keep your eyes open. <laughs> and gentlemen, it's sunny outside. Poisonous snakes will be sunning themselves on the trail. Now, they won't bother you, but if you see a snake coiled up, steer clear and go around it. They got to the front door. We had our stopwatches ready. Oh, guys, sorry, we forgot to tell you. Just yesterday, we sighted some wild boar out there. Now, these wild pigs, gentlemen, are bigger than you are. 
They have razor-sharp tusks, and they will attack you unprovoked. So if you encounter a wild boar, you must take appropriate action. But above all else, gentlemen, you must, what everybody, in the face of the storm, complete the mission. What's the mission? Touch the white fence. Ready? Go! So they took off. I want you to get this mental picture because two of our team members were hiding in the bushes. <laughs> Here are these big mammoth men in the NFL jogging down this dirt road in the tropics. They're looking around, they hear the bugs. One of our team members leaned over, grabbed a small bush and went, <laughs> we had a video camera. <laughs> Would you like to see the tape? <laughs> Here's what you're looking at now. Let's come back to the model that we're going to present to you today. Here's what you're looking at. You are looking at what happens to a human being when confronted by a storm for which they are not prepared. Let's run the tape, please. No. <laughs> no? What, why not? We, we heard something. What do you mean you heard something? And then they actually stuttered. There, there, there was a wild boar in the bushes. <laughs> then we showed them the tape. <laughs> <laughs> they were mortified. But what drives this home is what happened the very next week. The very next week, and I don't have this tape because these gentlemen cannot have their faces photographed in any way whatsoever, but we had four elite team members of the FBI SWAT program, and we did the same thing with them. The mission is what, everybody? Touch the white fence. Got to do it in 18 minutes. Watch out for the alligator. Watch out for the snakes. Watch out for the wild boar. If you encounter a wild boar, you must take appropriate action, but above all else, complete the mission. They took off. Our two team members were hiding in the same spot. Grabs the same bush. This is what the FBI did. <laughs> a guy holding the camera went, what if they brought their guns? <laughs> We all have a mission. The Bible's very emphatic that you have a part in this mission, and if you're a child of God, this is part of your mission. It may not be the sum total of all your mission, but your plan, your mission has something to do with fulfilling this. Would you just listen, read the verses as they come up on the screen? Matthew chapter, <coughs> excuse me, 18, or 28, 19, and 20. says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. What's the goal? Make disciples. Tell others. Tell the world about Jesus. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to do, obey everything that I've commanded you. This discipleship. Being worship, lifelong worshipers of Christ. And surely I'm with you always 
even to the very end of the age. Listen to Mark 16, 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach. Tell others the good news of all good news to all creation. Luke chapter 24, 46 through 48. Jesus, and he told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. John 20 and verse 21, Jesus said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. So send I you. What was Jesus' mission? To make disciples. What is part of your mission? To make disciples. If you are a child of God, you cannot skirt that verse. You cannot get around that verse. Nor can you ignore that verse. Because that verse has tremendous implications on your life. As the Father has sent me. So send I you. Listen to Acts chapter 1 and and verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria. You say, I don't live there. I know, but we live here to the ends of the earth. The mission is to tell others about Jesus Christ. It's to tell the world about Jesus and then disciple them to follow Jesus. And now we come to Colossians chapter 4. Chapter 2 talks about this whole issue of prayer. Devote yourself. Be relentlessly committed to prayer. Take care to a prayer. And, and then be watchful. Stay alert. And then have an attitude and a lifestyle of thanksgiving and gratitude. Then he comes to verse 3 and 4. And he says this. And pray for us too. Who's the us? The us was kind of the team that... that traveled with Paul that would come to him and get training and instruction or take a letter back to a church as as Epaphras did to Colossae. It, it would be the team that, that would comfort him because he was under house arrest. He was awaiting execution. He was literally in the final year of his life. And here's what he prays. That God may open a door for our message. Evidently, Paul just didn't get it. He had every circumstance against him. And yet he says, give me a greater opportunity, God. And church, I want you to pray that I have a greater opportunity. That God would open a door. That I wouldn't create the door, the way, the passage, the column, the hallway. But that God would open the door. So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. The reason Paul is in prison is because he preached the mystery of Christ. (coughs) Excuse me. He preached Christ in us, the hope of glory. He preached that when Jesus Christ comes into your heart and your life, that he so changes you, transforms you, makes you over, that you are a new creature. The sin is gone, and your life is committed to Christ, and he is now your Savior. He is now your Lord, and you proclaim him as your king. And he says, because of that message, I'm in chains. And he says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly. As I should. It's an incredible text. Here's the Apostle Paul. Three years with Jesus in training. 
before he went out on his missionary endeavor. This is the Apostle Paul, mighty church planter, articulate theologian. Probably has won more people to Christ and influenced more people to come to Christ outside of Jesus Christ than any other person in history. And this is the Apostle Paul who had such a, a walk with God and a, enjoyed the abiding presence of Christ in his life. And this is the Apostle Paul who says, pray for us. Pray for us. It's an incredible truth. In very broad, sweeping terms, Paul makes two requests of the Colossian church about him. And by the way, if you ever want to know how to pray your pastors, man, I, I know a lot of you say, man, I pray for you every day. And you say probably something to this effect, God bless Brother Mike, bless Pastor Don, and, and you know, something to that effect. Man, would, would you add this verse in addition to that prayer? Would you pray these two requests for us? And not only for us, but for everyone in our church and in the ministry of our church that stands and proclaims and teaches in the name of Jesus. Request number one is pray that God would give opportunities to share the message. Paul said that there would be this, the phrase, open door. That God would open to us doors of opportunity. That we could tell even more people and more people and more people about Jesus Christ. And Paul says, that's my heart. Pray that God opens the door. Pray that God would open doors of opportunity for telling other people about Christ. This has three implications. Number one, that God would open the door. That Paul would have wisdom to recognize the door. And number three, that he would have courage to walk through the door. He's saying, open the door. Man, Christianity is not a spectator sport. It is total involvement. And when God opens these doors of opportunity, you take them. You walk through them. We don't open the door. We don't create the door. One of the best illustrations I heard of this was uh, the, the idea of a surfer. And a surfer's out on the ocean, and, and they don't create the wave, but they have enough experience to recognize when a good wave's coming. And then they get on the board, you know, swim over, paddle over right as it starts to crest, and take off and curl, and they ride the wave. I want you to understand something. Did you hear Dom this morning? What he didn't tell you is both of us were gone Wednesday, and five people got saved, and y'all had church. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. There are waves going on, opportunities God is presenting to us that we have to embrace as a church because what's our mission? Our mission is to tell others about Jesus and to make disciples. That's the mission. And God says that's what we're to be about. You know, in this time of change, challenge, and transition, man, I want you to pray for God-given opportunities to tell more and more people about Jesus Christ. Pray for us as a pastoral staff. It's an exciting time to be on staff, man. There's a lot of opportunities opening up. There, there's the opportunity of, of additional staff members. 
And we're looking in that direction. Been talking with Salmon and visiting with Salmon. And it's just kind of exciting, that aspect of it. But there's other issues. I think it was last Sunday, they had 120 kids down in the children's wing. That's a heap of kids. The teens, both classes, man, they're, they're literally sitting on top of each other. Now, that gets a little socially awkward at their age, but I mean, it's just like tight and crowded, you know? Tot spot. I think, that, I think Ann told me they had 14, is that right? 14 or 17, was it 14 or 17? Anyway, a heap of babies in there. And that's a lot of diapers to change. And I know what you're thinking. High needs to wipe too. Yes. Look at this service. Man, it is just full. I think three out of the last four Sundays, we've been over 700, something like that. You say, oh, well, man, it's time to, to build a bigger church. Oh, man, that'll kill me. Could there be other opportunities? Could we maybe start a Saturday night service? Or a Sunday night service? You say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 we already got two services. And I really like to see everybody at church. You seeing everybody at church is not the mission. The mission is telling the world about Jesus Christ. We only have an X number of days on this earth, and that corporately as the body of Christ, we only have so much time in church years to share the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And our churches always have this whatever-it-takes attitude. You know who leads us in that? It's always been our, our wildcats. That's, that's our, our elderly folk in our church. And they have always led the way. By the way, I told them that in a pastoral class at Hillsdale Bible, uh, yeah, Hillsdale Bible College. And that one of the questions was, who's kind of the, the people on the cutting edge of the church? And I said, well, the first group that generally buys into the changes we got to make is our Wildcats. And they said, well, who's our Wildcats? And they thought it was the teen group. <laughs> I said, no, our teens are better behaved than our Wildcats, you know? <laughs> Part of the DNA of our church is that we will always do whatever it takes. If you were to tell somebody, a, a, a church growth expert, that you're going to kind of sell your property because you've saturated the land and instead of buying more and building where you're at and can move 11 miles south, they would say it doesn't work. We say it's an opportunity. God's open. Because there's a passion in, in a lot of us, and it's stamped in the DNA of our church, that we'll do whatever it takes to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Matthias was with us last week, you know? He was our, our evangelist. I'll be honest, Kirby paid his way to go. Why did we pay his way to go? Because over 30 people got saved last week because he was there. That's why we paid his way to go. Because we will do whatever it takes to tell others about Jesus and disciple them in his most holy name. What about having a multi-site church? I mean, you just watched a guy on, on film for about five minutes and seemed to enjoy that. Kind of have some live singing and then Tebow the preacher in and you have a campus pastor and that guy says, whoa, 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 whoa. 
whoa, whoa, I don't know if I'll like that. Can I be real kind and gentle right here? Why are you laughing? God is not interested if you like it or not. He is concerned about the mission. And if he says, and if he would so direct to do that, oh my word, so that more people get saved? Yeah. Churches are doing it all over America now with tremendous success. What if we hived off a group of our church and just planted another church? You say, well, I'll miss my buddies. I'll miss my friends. Have them over Monday night. Go fishing Friday afternoon. Play golf on Saturday. But the mission, the mission is to tell others about Jesus and to disciple them in his holy name. So we pray that God opens doors of opportunities with staffs and services and all the challenges and transitions that are going on because the most important thing is to share the message and the good news of Jesus Christ. Do you see why prayer is so important? Prayer for us to recognize the next staff members, the next new service times, the next new opportunities of planting or, or becoming a multi-site church, one church in many locations, and all of that stuff, I'm telling you, it has got to be bathed with, drenched in, saturated with prayer. So we catch the wave that God's creating. The second request, that God would give clarity when we share the message. We have everybody from 13 to 113 in this service. Do you know how hard it is to kind of touch everybody with that broad of a group? Oh, I'm glad you're here. It really makes it challenging because, man, I, I don't ever want the teenagers, and I know Jordan McCroskey looks at me this way, but the other teenagers, you know, don't want them to look at me like I'm just this old kook up there preaching. Man, I believe the Bible is a living book with living truth from the living Holy Spirit of God. And it's dynamic and it's powerful and it has the power to change lives. And I don't ever want to preach it in an irrelevant, old, dull, kind of antiquated, I didn't say that right, but out of style way. Man, I want to I preach it with clarity so that where you live... The Holy Spirit can take that message and apply it to your heart. It says, here's what you need to do. Here's how you need to respond. Last week, be thankful. Were you thankful this week? Or were you a big old grouchy head? If you're a big old grouchy head. Well, that'll get me going somewhere. Listen, prayer. Pray that God gives us clarity. Down on this end, there are teachers teaching their children. Pray that God gives them clarity so that a second grader understands the gospel of Jesus Christ. Down on this end, there's an ABF class going. A couple, three of them right now. Pray that God gives those teachers clarity as they present the truth of Jesus Christ. We have taught spot. 
and in our infants and in our, our toddlers, man, they get taught the word of God. Songs are being sung, things are being played in the, the, the second hour. They get the lesson reinforced in, in the gym time, you know, where they kind of spread the rings a little bit and kind of get a little energy out. But it is teaching children the truth of God's word. And I'm telling you, Paul says, pray for your life group leaders. Pray for your, your Sunday school teachers. Pray for James as he's in this series, Teaching Fusion. It is not just about James standing up there giving the word. It's about you praying for James as he brings the word. So in that opportunity, God gives him clarity. And the Holy Spirit brings clarity to a young person's heart of their need for Jesus. Paul requests this for him and his team. Matter of fact, he, he, he went to great lengths because he wanted to be able to discern when to speak, how much to say, and how to package the message so that it wouldn't be understood. That was his heart. Look at 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 22, and it's, it's up here, and I'm going to kind of add a little bit. I know it's kind of small, but just kind of hang with me here for a second. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone. Why? To win as many as possible to Jesus Christ. To the Jew, I became like a Jew. Why? To win the Jew to Jesus Christ. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law. Why? So that I might win those to Christ under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one having not, ha not having the law. Though I myself am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law. Why? so that he might win those to Christ not having the law. He says, to the weak, I became weak. Why? So that he might win the weak to Christ. He says, I become all things to all men that I might by all possible means save some. That doesn't happen unless a church is praying for those who communicate the word of God and you pray that it's done with clarity, with passion, with relevance, and courage to walk through the open door. So we're going to end our service just a little different. As a believer, you have a mission to tell the world about Jesus Christ and to disciple those. And so we're going to conclude here Don is going to come out and stand right here in front. He's going to be representative of the pastoral staff because I got a little buggy something going on and I don't want to give it to you or else I would be down there too. And then if you are a communicator of God's truth, if you are a life group leader, a teacher, if you are a, a uh, youth, you teach the youth or or just Sunday school teacher, you teach the children in pot spot. I want you to quickly come up, stand up, get up here, wrap yourself around Don. If you have been talked to by Josh and Christy and, uh, and, and part of that leadership mix thing, I want you to wrap around your youth workers, all right? And you guys know who you are. And I want you to quickly come forward. As they're coming forward, I want to invite the church to come forward and pray and, and put your hands on them, lay hands on them, touch them. And if you can't get 
to touch Don and touch somebody who's close to that person. Lay hands, lay hands, lay hands. Just, just so we have this common agreement that this is what we're praying for. Now I want everybody to look at the screens because I'm going to give you four things to pray for. I want you to pray that God would give opportunities to share the message. I want you to pray that God would give clarity in sharing the message. I want you to pray that souls would be saved. And I want you to pray that church would flourish because we walk through the doors that God's opened for us. Come quickly. And I'm going to lead us in prayer. This is not a time for you to listen to me pray. This is a time for you to look in the yeah, screens, pray for those things that are on the screens, and let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to be about reaching people for Jesus Christ. So, Father, I pray that you open doors of opportunity.